So we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, I'll be continuing the uh, series that Pastor Peter started on the whole armour of God. As you can see in your outlines, we're looking at uh, feet shod with the gospel of peace. So we'll read that passage, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Um, we read from verse 10 down to verse 20. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. (coughs) Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It's a good passage, isn't it? Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us as we look into his word. Father, we thank you now for this time that we have to study your word. Father, we thank you that, Lord, it's been uh, preserved for us and uh, translated into our own language. Lord, it's such a blessing to have the word of God so freely. And Lord, we uh, often take it for granted, but Lord, we just acknowledge that, uh, Lord, every, uh, every word is inspired, it's breathed out by you, Father, and uh, Lord, it's been uh, preserved for us uh, through the Bible. Father, we thank you so much. Help us to uh, understand it, to, to look at these things that we're studying. Lord, help us uh, uh, in... Uh, applying these things to our own lives. Pray that your Holy Spirit would, uh, would help us to do that, that he would be our teacher today. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that there'd be no hindrance to his ministry in our hearts, that we would be uh, keeping short accounts with you uh, in that as well. Father, we thank you for our time. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we come to the third piece of the panoply of God. And note this phrase, uh, panoply, from the Greek translated as whole armour. The whole armour. Each piece is separate but is to be worn as a whole. What this means is that we can't just be putting on one piece and not another. Uh, It's also clear from the grammar that the responsibility to wear the armour is ours. We have to be putting on the pieces of the armour of God. We can't just wait for you know, someone else to do it or for us to feel ready. We have to have that responsibility to do it ourselves. And that's a conscious effort to do this 
every day. To uh, mentally prepare ourselves for the battle that goes on constantly. And the purpose, as we see here in the scripture that we've just read, is to stand firm against our enemy and not to fall. That's the purpose of putting on the whole armour of God. To stand firm, to, to withstand. And we see in verse 13 the phrase, and having done all, to stand. When life is over or when our strength seems to have been exhausted, you know, perhaps at the end of the day, we must be still standing in our faith. Uh, we might be a bit shaken up uh, or have some bumps and bruises, but we are still standing. That's the purpose of putting on the panoply of God so that we can withstand or resist the attacks of our enemy, the devil. Now the attacks of the enemy are almost always surprise attacks. The devil does not announce to us in advance when and where he will attack us. Uh, In verse 11, the apostle speaks of the wiles of the devil. Uh, It says, Put on the whole armour of God that you may, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Greek word there is methodius. And what that means is that our enemy is planning, lying in wait, ready to ambush. His method is to catch us unprepared and make us fall. That is why in the same verse we are commanded to put on the whole armour of God. We must be prepared to resist the attacks of the devil. And that brings us to the verse at hand, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we're going to be focusing on verse 15 of Ephesians 6. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So this verse uh, begins with the picture of putting shoes on one's feet. And uh, I was thinking about this it does make sense that this is the third piece of the armour of God. As you know, we put our shoes on in that order. Okay? We don't put our shoes on before putting on our pants. That makes sense. So he's put on you know, his tunic, he's skirt about his loins with truth, he's got his breastplate on, then he puts his shoes on. That's what the soldier does. It's, it's in perfect logical order of how you would get dressed. And uh, it seems like Paul was uh, you know, observing the soldiers. He was in prison. He would have had soldiers all around him. So he would have known what they, what they went through, what they wore, and, and could study that. In Roman times, the shoes that the soldiers wore were purely functional and suited to the rugged business of warfare. Uh, these shoes that are spoken of here uh, are made of thick leather, kind of like a sandal, uh, not what we would understand really as a sandal. We, we, our sandals are fairly flimsy, uh, you know, made of plastic and nylon and things like that. And these are thick leather sandals uh, with very thick soles that were studded with iron hobnails. And, and they were perfectly suited to the battlefields of the Mediterranean in ancient times. They were lightweight but strong. They were comfortable yet rugged. They protected the soldier's feet without slowing him down. So these perfectly uh, functional, um, useful piece of equipment that the soldiers had to wear. 
So these shoes uh, were very practical and that is why Paul uses this analogy for us as Christians. Just as the Romans put these on to go to battle, so too are we to prepare ourselves for the daily battle that we face. And notice the Greek word, uh, sorry, the, the word here in verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation. That, that, that Greek word means to be internally prepared or mentally prepared. There's a different word for being um, externally or, or, or equipped. It's interesting that he uses this particular word for that. It means a, a mental preparation. Okay, we're to be mentally prepared for the battle. And this means that we ought to be regularly reminding ourselves that we are in a battle for the, for, for the first instance um, and then reminding ourselves what we can do. The problem is, uh, in our lives, uh, there's you know, two problems that prevent us from doing this and they're kind of opposites but they accomplish the same thing. Laziness or busyness um, can prevent us from doing that. Okay, from preparing for the daily battle that we face. I know for me, uh, every morning is a race against time. Um, and you know, no doubt many of you are like that. You're busy, you've got a family, you have to go to work. Um, There's just not enough hours in a day, especially in the morning. You know, the, the alarm goes off. Uh, you might hit the snooze button once or twice. Then you, you race out of bed, you're already running late, have a quick shower, scarf down some breakfast if you have time, say goodbye to the kids and race to work. Okay, leaves little time for the mental preparation that is necessary. Then at the other side of the day, activities, family duties are ever present until exhausted we crawl into bed and so we fail to, to make any preparation. And so it's important to make this time of preparation a, a priority in the day. Use your daily devotion as an opportunity to put on the whole armour of God. Paul uses this mnemonic device for us to remember how to do this. Okay? And, and I was thinking about this, it, it's stuff that we do anyway. We get dressed and, and the order is logical. And so the things here that, uh, you know, the, each part of the armour of God is a mnemonic device. You know, the, 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 the belt, the, having your loins skirt about with truth, the breastplate, the shoes the helmet, the shield, the sword. It, it, it's all like a mnemonic device that helps us to remember what to do every day when we prepare for our daily battle. Now I think as Christians we are better equipped to deal with adversity and even tragedy in our lives because of this preparation. As Christians we understand that this world is fallen and that sin and evil are present not just outside of you know, us, outside in the world, but even within us in, as part of our sin nature. And we teach this to our children. You know, even from, from a very young age, we teach them that evil exists. And uh, you know, I know that's a not, a, not a very nice concept, but you know, we, we do tell our kids you know, there's, there's bad things out there in the world. You've got to be prepared for it. There's bad people. And uh, from a young age we tell them, you know, watch out for these kinds of bad people, these strangers perhaps that, you know, want to hurt you. And so they grow up having this concept and, 
and it's an extremely important and fundamental concept for our understanding of the world. Just to go on a, on a, on a little bit of a tangent, the, the Bible does teach this very, very explicitly that God is good, infinitely good, and eternally good. Evil, on the other hand, is not infinite and eternal. Uh, it, can, it only came about as a corruption of the good things that God created. Created beings which have free will chose evil instead of good. It's like rust on metal. Rust only exists as a corruption of pure iron, not by itself. Uh, and that, that's a good way to think of the evil that's out there. It's this corruption that exists on God's good creation. Yet the Bible also teaches that in the end, good will overcome evil and God will have the victory. And this is a great advantage that we have as Christians in dealing with our enemy, the devil. Uh, We don't have to be terrified of him. Um, We don't have to let a fear of our enemy paralyze us. But we simply have to be prepared. And we must prepare ourselves for the situations that arise and be prepared for the attacks of the enemy. The command here is very similar to uh, 1 Peter 5.8. If you've got your Bibles handy, turn to 1 Peter 5.8. This is like a a little parallel uh, passage as well. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And and again, this talks about this mental preparation that we need to go through as Christians. Be sober. Be vigilant. To be sober means to think clearly. And, uh, you know, while it's not necessarily talking about drunkenness, uh, we do note that it's impossible to think clearly while intoxicated. And so that's a part of it as well. Think clearly and be on the lookout for our enemy, the devil. He's out there and he's looking to see those Christians who are unprepared and looking to make them fall. If we fail to be mentally prepared, we cannot think clearly. And this is what the devil wants. He he wants us to be so busy, so distracted by lesser things that we do not prepare for that daily spiritual battle. That's what he wants. And so many of us fall into that trap so often. The devil is so cunning that even when Christians fall to his schemes, they do not even realise that they have fallen to them. Uh, you know, we, we, we blame it on someone else. Uh, you know, on our spouse, on our children, on our workmates. Uh, we think, oh, it's, it's that person, that's why my life is so miserable. No, it's because we're unprepared. Uh, we get depressed about our life, wonder why we have lost that joy in Christ that we once had. And all the while, it's our fault for not being prepared. All the while, we've been letting the devil attack us because we haven't been putting on the whole armour of God. We haven't been, uh, been sober. We haven't been vigilant. And with this preparation, uh, you know, this, this, this daily preparation that we have, comes stability. Uh, this word preparation implies that as well. Uh, when, when we do 
uh, have that mental preparation in place, we are stable. Uh, We're not prone to those attacks of the devil. We're also not prone to those false doctrines that are out there. Now the Bible talks about this. We're not going to go right into that. That's a whole other message of itself. But it talks about people who are unstable, doesn't it? People who are prone to false doctrine, getting blown here and there by every wind of doctrine, and so forth. If we're prepared, we are stable in our faith. We're able to stand against the attacks of the devil. If our feet are unstable, we fall easily. If our preparation is deficient, we will fall easily to Satan's attack. So we come to the second point, the gospel of peace. Now all this preparation comes to us via the gospel of peace. We cannot be prepared to resist the devil if we do not believe the gospel. Now that's a fairly uh, you know, easy thing to understand. Uh, unbelievers, of course, are completely open to the devil's attacks. Uh, they, they don't even realise. And it's still amazing to me that all that God requires for our eternal salvation is to believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by grace through faith. Okay, it's not by any work of righteousness that we have done. It's not because we give X amount of money to the church. It's not because we uh, do all these good works. It's not because we come to church every week without failing. That's not why we're saved. It's because we believe the gospel. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And this is, a, a, once again, a familiar passage. Verses 25 down to 34. Paul and Silas are imprisoned. Uh, they're in Philippi. And um, this is what happens. From verse 25 it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. What a great passage, what a great uh, thing to think about that this man at the point of suicide came to God, uh, you know, asked the apostle, what must I do to be saved? You know, I'm at rock bottom here. My life is falling apart completely. What do I have to do to be saved? 
And, and, and Paul says to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And, and that's the wonderful gospel that we have uh, in Christ. It's good for us to rehearse the gospel, uh, to think about what exactly the gospel is. It's good for us to remember that one day we believed, we, we were like that, that Philippian jailer. We, we were at that, that point that we said, what must I do to be saved? What do I do? How do I get to heaven? Uh, what do I need to do to, to be saved? I've tried everything in my life. And then someone said to us, just believe. All you have to do is believe on the gospel, believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins. And really that's the essence of the gospel of peace. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Sometimes we wonder, well, what, what exactly is the gospel? And it's a, it's a very catchy word, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. But here it is. In the Word of God, it, it, it actually defines what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 6. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the, th the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. There's the gospel, the gospel of peace. Notice the key phrases in this passage. First, he says that Christ died for our sins. In using the word Christ, he means the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God. Not just a man, uh, not just a teacher, not just a prophet, but the Son of God, Christ. He uses that word very specifically. He died for our sins in our place. We were supposed to be the, the condemned ones, but Christ took that condemnation on himself. Our sins would have taken us to eternal damnation in hell. But he took upon himself our iniquity, our sins on himself, big and small, all of the sins of the world, he took them on himself. He became sin for us. This perfect, sinless Son of God became sin for us. Why? So that we could be forgiven. Next, he was buried. He took on death but came out victorious and rose again. Uh, this is a, a crucial part of the gospel. The gospel does not work if we leave this out. It's no good to have a dead saviour. One who's buried in the ground. We have no hope if Jesus did not rise again. No hope of eternal life. But he did. And that is an integral part of the gospel. He rose and was seen of many witnesses. And all of this according to the scriptures. The truth of the word of God is in focus here. That's why it says that, according to the scriptures, three times. It assumes the hearer acknowledges the truth of the Bible and the gospel is in accordance 
with it. But going back to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I love this phrase, the, the gospel of peace. This good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ brings peace to all those who believe. And the peace here is, is peace with God. Okay, it's the cessation of enmity with God. Now notice how people who are not Christians are always angry with God. Have you noticed that? They're always angry with Him, even though they claim not to believe in Him. You know, they, they blame God for bad things that happen. Uh, they get annoyed or angry when the topic of God is brought up. Um, in our society, it's considered rude to even talk about God or to mention the Bible. The unbeliever is at war with God and that's because of their sin. And yet the gospel brings peace. It brings reconciliation between God and man. That existential angst is gone when the sinner comes to God and asks for forgiveness. The fear of alienation and judgment disappears when the gospel of peace is received by a repentant soul. This peace between God and man gives us peace in our hearts. No need to worry about anything, really, since our greatest fear has been taken away. Uh, just turn quickly to Luke chapter 12. The gospel of Luke 12, uh, verses 4 to 7. Luke 12, 4 to 7. The Lord Jesus Christ speaking here. says, and uh, uh, verse 4, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I forewarn you, whom you shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. That's a wonderful little passage there. You know, we, we don't have to worry about those things that often cause us anxiety and fear. Um, they're, they're, so, they're so insignificant. And yet we so often get worked up about that. There's one thing that we need to fear, and that's God. Okay? Because He has the power to throw people into hell okay, if we rebel against Him. But because we've made peace with God... Okay, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is getting at. He says, Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. God cares for us more than all, the, all of his creatures, than those little birds that are flying around. And so we have nothing to fear. This gospel is our foundation, the very basis of who we are. Uh, it is a fundamental belief, and if we are shaky on what the gospel is, if we're not very clear on what the gospel means and how it applies to us if we are shaky on that then the rest of our faith will be too okay, we'll be unstable in our faith so we need to get this very clear from the outset 
And from this peace with God and, uh, and peace in our, in our own hearts, we can take the gospel of peace to others as well. Okay, once we're prepared, uh, once we know what the gospel is, crystal clear, then we can take it to others. And so this is where, again, the preparation is vital. Okay, every day we need to be prepared to do this. If we are not ready to share the gospel at all times, we miss out on so many opportunities. And brethren, this is uh, perhaps one of the hardest things for us as Christians, isn't it? I know for me it's tough to do that. It's tough to, to talk to one of my workmates about the gospel. Okay? It's, it's a really hard thing to do for some reason. Uh, and that's a lot of the times because we're not prepared. Okay? We haven't prepared ourselves to, to do that. We haven't uh, you know, put our shoes on, our gospel shoes as it were. Um, trying to broach the subject at work or with your neighbour, it's almost impossible sometimes, isn't it? And that's why preparation is important. Our internal preparation, our mindset must be focused on what we will say when those opportunities arrive, arise. Okay, we, we, we can be thinking about what we're going to say if you know, Joe blogs at work, you know, that, that opportunity arises with him and we, we know what to say. Or, or when a, our neighbour, when she comes up to us and, you know, we're chatting there at the fence and, you know, the, there's an opportunity to share the gospel. If we have prepared for that, we will know what to say. And that's why we, we need to be praying for these people that we're going to share the gospel with. Praying that the words will come and we will be able to share our faith. Because it's our responsibility to be prepared with the gospel of peace. It's our responsibility. It's not, it's not someone else's, it's not Pastor Pete's, it's not the deacons. It's every single one of us that have this responsibility to share the gospel. And we're reminded of this command given to all the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll finish with uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20. Matthew 28. Talking about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Great Commission talks about going. It says, go ye therefore. As we're going, we're to do this. Wherever we go, we need to be prepared. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's our command, brethren that we have before us. That's a command for every Christian to go out and to share the gospel uh, with everyone, regardless of you know, who they are, where they come from. Um, it's our responsibility. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for our time together this morning, uh, this, uh, in this afternoon. Father, we, uh, we acknowledge that we so often fail uh, to be prepared 
with the gospel. Lord, we, uh, we know that we often let busyness and distraction and laziness get in our way. Lord, help us in this. Father, we, uh, we know that we need to uh, take this more seriously. Lord, help us in this. Help us to uh, be putting aside time so that we can be prepared every day. Father, I, I do pray that each one of us would be uh, thinking about who we can share the gospel with. Lord, uh, you know that each of us has uh, people in our lives that um, we know um, and that uh, we can be praying for. Lord, remind us to do this, uh, to share the gospel with these ones. Lord, I pray that you give us boldness, that we would not be afraid. Uh, Lord, help us just to, to trust you for the words that come out of our mouth. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd be with us this week as we go out. Um, Lord, we, we're going to go out to uh, each of us, to our workplaces, to uh, our homes, our neighbourhoods, uh, Lord, where there's uh, many lost. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, uh, Lord, be, uh, be mindful of that. Father, I, I thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters in Christ here. Thank you for the encouragement that we can be to one another. Lord, I pray that you keep us safe this week and help us to uh, obey all your commandments. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.